This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. We're in uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua. We'll be staying there for a few weeks. I'm not going to go right through the book. But there are some specific strategic things that we need to uh, examine because they are very, very important to us. And so here we are, Joshua chapter 5. And only a few verses today. Verse 10. While the Israelites camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they kept the Passover in the evening of the 14th day of the month. The day after Passover, they they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Simple, straightforward statement, but strategic. It is the end of something, and yet it's the beginning of something. And that should speak to us. How do you identify with these people? It's, it's not easy, is it? They think differently. They live differently. It was a different day, a different world. But they had a heritage and a history of experience. We do. It's different. And they had a potential for the future. They are the people that God called out historically to be a symbol to us of what it would be like for a people, the church, to live the kingdom lifestyle. That's what they were there to do. They didn't do it very well most of the time. And we need to just think at this, as we read this, this very, very straightforward statement that you can gloss over and think that actually these people have been in the desert um, in total 40 years. Some of them, of course, were, were much younger than that. But they had been through that period of the wilderness, uh, and there they were. God had given them provision without them asking. He provided for their every need, whether they liked it or not because sometimes they didn't even like it. They grumbled. That's why most of them didn't get into the land. They had been led by a man, Moses, who had received firsthand from God the law that would give them the way that they should worship him and the way that they should live and the way that they should be distinct from all other peoples. Remarkable. They had had that. Uh, And with Moses and with Joshua, they had seen the mighty hand of God. Miraculous things that you can hardly imagine. God had just done it for them. And he did it irrespective of the way they were. Whether they trusted him, uh, whether they lived right, he did it anyway. That's the way it was. But now this great man of God, this... This leader who, there's not many like him anywhere in history. A man of God, strong, faithful, a good leader, a warrior. He was the one that was leading them now. And they followed him. They did what he said. They were still doing it for now. We've got Jericho to look at, the mighty hand of God. We have to look at, and this will be next time, how Joshua met with the commander of God's army.
not man, God's army, an unseen army. We've got to look at that. We've probably got to look at Achan uh, sit in the camp. We have to look at that. And then we have to think about, well, Joshua, like the rest of us, he got old. And his time was finished. We have to think about that. And in these few words, in a sense, we have all of that contained. Because what happens is this, they ate of the manna, God provided it. Then it stopped. That is a big change. It meant that something had come uh, to its purposed aim. It had happened. Moses laid the foundation of the law. He gave instructions uh, for the whole way that the, the nation, because it wasn't really fully a nation state yet, how it should be governed and all of that. He gave the rules for that. He laid the foundations. Joshua came behind him and he kept taking the people back to that covenant. He was a man of the covenant. He didn't lay the foundations for that, but he did lay the foundations for entering the land because he took them in the land and they fought and they inhabited the land. They did not manage in his lifetime to conquer all the land. But he did all that. So he was a foundation layer, uh, but of a different kind of order, a foundation moving into something different and new. So this is a few words that are recorded in Scripture that says something has come to an end. God had accomplished through this people, irrespective of them, what they did, what they thought, how they behaved, what they believed, irrespective of all of that, he had done it anyway. And he had brought them to that place. They're on the edge of the land. They're moving in. Now it's a new phase. And in the new phase, something has to change. Now this is what needs to speak, really, to God's people. Now we know that... Um, <laughs> There's a sense in which you always need to revisit the foundation. Of course you do. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that new people come. So they need to visit the foundation so that they know and understand. Children are born. They grow up. They need to know. They need to. So foundation has to be revisited from time to time. That's proper because things move. It's time. It's history. But the principle of it is the enduring principle is that here is God, God who is sovereign Lord. He has a people for himself and he takes them on the journey and he does it all for them. And then something changes. They are now entering into the land that God had promised this speaks to us of the kingdom of God that we are entering in. But we have to choose it. It is not a given that you enter in. Well, actually, as you read this, you even see that in the history of these people. Why? Because they did not conquer all the land. It was not a given. They had to do something. And they didn't always do it. And not always well. So there is an end. And during that time before the end, in spite of all the grumbling and everything else that went on, is the people were actually one. 
they had a leader. They didn't always like what the leader said or did, but they followed anyway. And off they went. They were one. Now they're in the land. Joshua is going to meet face to face with the commander of the Lord's army, and we'll talk about that again. A Jericho is going to be a strategic battle that sets the scene for the future, the way that the land should be inherited and taken hold of so that they could take of the bounty of the land that had been promised to them. But as the future unfolds, the manna has stopped. Now they are to eat of the produce of the land that offers us something. And it is not a given. You see, this is the issue. It's not a given. There are some things that we read in Scripture that we can say, God will do whatever. Well, God was going to take them in the land, whatever. They didn't all get in, but he was going to take them in the land, whatever. Whatever they did, whatever they taught, he was going to take them in the land. But this is a new phase. It's different. The land is there. It offers much. And what it offers, really, this kingdom that we have been talking about now for quite some time, it offers the grace of God. But it's not a given that you can receive it. It offers much, but there are conditions in the taking whole. Now, what we should do with a few words like this, we should look at that and we should see first and foremost, we should be seeing God and his purposes and his goodness. God has a great purpose and he is good. And he will share that goodness with his people as they are faithful, as they follow, as they, as they are faithful uh, to the covenant that he had made with them. He will give them everything that they need. It's the grace of God. But you dare not presume it. So what we have is what a wonderful, wonderful encouragement from the Lord. He takes us to his goodness and his provision and all of the kingdom that lies ahead. It is a place of wonderful freedom. It is a place of great bounty. And he puts that before us and he says, Look, I will give you all of this. It is mine to give. You are my people. I want to give it to you. But it doesn't say it will happen. And of course, if we read the history of Old Testament Israel, we will see that sometimes it did happen. Well, there was a good king, and the people were following. Other times, it didn't happen. They suffered defeat. They were pushed back. They were in chaos. So, at the same time, as we see the goodness of God and his desire to give freely to all of his good things to his people, to equip us for the life of the kingdom, we see that it is also a challenge. It's not, I'll give you this, okay, right, fine, thanks, Lord, that was great, I'll take some more, thank you. It's not that. It's a challenge. And that is where we are. 
it must be like that. Now, we've, we've dealt with the whole issue of understanding legalism and leaving legalism be, behind us and because it is of no value. It's contrary to the grace of God. It accomplishes nothing. But there are things we must do. It's actually about taking responsibility. That's what it's about. They have the covenant. They have the law. They know what they need to do. But when they enter the land, they need to take responsibility for themselves. Now, this is kind of a dangerous place to be in. Because they are used to Moses leading them. They are used to Joshua leading them. And I, I don't think Joshua was the kind of guy that suffered fools gladly. <laughs> this, guy, this guy was an upfront leader. He knew what he was about. This is what he did. He expected people to follow. Well, did they? See, now they're in the land. Something's changed. The manor's gone. They were sick of the manor anyway. It's gone. But were they ready to go and take responsibility and do what was necessary in order uh, to benefit from the abundance of the land? They had to cultivate it for one thing. That's not ruining it. That's, that's taking responsibility. It's different. It is a time of taking responsibility. Under that old way that is now finished, what responsibility did they have? They didn't even need to buy new shoes, never mind. They didn't need to go to the convenience store when they ran out uh, to make sure they've got the milk in and a loaf of bread. God just gave it to them, willingly, freely. Uh, maybe it had come too easy for them. Well, that all depends where you stand in it, doesn't it? You see, when they're grumbling, it's because it's too easy. When they receive with thankfulness then they are recipients of the grace of God. There's the difference. So now they're in the land. They've got the excitement of Jericho. Uh, they're still all one. But you know what began to happen? So here's, here's Joshua, this great leader. He takes them in. Uh, and they have some battles and they win. But they're doing well, except not always. Sometimes. Some people start to get the idea, I, I'm going to do this for me. And so in that, the seeds of selfishness are growing. And in that, something else is happening, which didn't fully happen in Joshua's time, and I think it's because this man is a strong, strong leader. But the seeds of it are there. Because when you finish reading Joshua, you've got to start reading Judges. Now, that's an interesting book, if ever there was one. It's not easy to understand. But by the time you get to the end of Judges, and it's a, it's a few hundred years on, you read this. Everybody did, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. So what was happening was this. In the wilderness, they're one. They had no choice, actually. But they were, they were one. They wouldn't have got across uh, if they'd have done their own thing. They had to follow the leader. But as soon as they get across, uh, as soon as somehow this this wonderful victory, and yet, surprisingly, maybe, the seeds of division start. 
Well, of course, there were different tribes. And they settled in different places. Of course they did. It's demographics. It's what God had said they should do. They had, they were, they were different kind of tribes, different people, different strengths, maybe different weaknesses. They were all different. And yet the purpose was to spread out through the land, settle the land, do what God told them to do. But their diversity was not to be division. It was to unify the whole land, to spread through and take of the goodness of God that God had given to them and use all of that to make the land God's kingdom. There's nothing wrong with diversity. It's good, actually. It's very positive. That's why Paul taught a great deal in the New Testament about you're all different. One's an eye, one's a foot. There's this gift and there's that gift. That's where your diversity is. Not believing different things. Not doing your own thing. Because it's about the unity of God's people together. That's what it's all about. But what begins to happen, and I kind of feel bad for Joshua in this, freedom is opening up, which should have solidified the unity and expanded the base of it and brought in much more of God's provision, but the hardness of people's hearts, the selfish desires. It began to be, well, we belong to this tribe and we belong to that tribe. Let's draw some lines here. We're different. Until in the end, much later on, the kingdom's divided into two sections. Uh, the judgment of God falls on one and it's demolished the ten tribes. Gone forever. Two are left. They're not perfect either. That's how far it went. And when that seed of self-determination crept in, then the goodness of God was not seen in the way that God would have freely given it. They did not receive from his bountiful hand because they began to take their own way. Nothing Joshua could do about it. You see, Joshua was valued by them as long as they were getting what they wanted. But when they started moving around into the kingdom, the different territory, I, their wants began to change. They wanted what they wanted. And it separated them from others. And the seeds of division began to grow. What a missed opportunity. The opportunity of the purposes of the goodness of God to shower upon his people everything that they could ever imagine and beyond. The grace of God without restriction. See, this is God at work. He's God. But what's happening in this little statement he's saying to the people is, it's time to grow up. It's time to take responsibility. It's not all about you. And, and even the fact that God in this uh, model and symbol of the way he would act, that shows that when people do not follow closely his ways, 
and do not follow the way that God would have them go and take that self-centered route, well, what happens? It's sad. And the challenge of freedom which God offers, well, it's a double-edged sword. It's actually the best challenge you can have. But when that self-centeredness, which is clear as you go on, when we talk about Achan, we'll see how self-centered it is. When that is the emphasis, that's not good. The judgment of God comes. Whereas, when there is that common coming together in the purposes of God and that desire to enter the land and to take hold of the freedom because self has been put away, now the freedom operates and the smile of God comes. And so that's where we need to be. We need to be able to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have provided uh, so many good things for us. Uh, perhaps we've taken them for granted. Uh, you've provided them. Uh, we've not had to work for them. You've just done it. But now he's saying, take responsibility. He's saying, grow up. Enter the kingdom. This is the way that I will take you. God's way is best. It's always the best. And if we follow it, we will receive far more. One day, they will receive in the manner. The next day, none is gone. But they did eat of the crops of the land. There's a shift in the way that God deals with the people. But actually, it's about progress. It's about challenge. It's about receiving the more of God. Because when you receive, uh, because you have gone freely along his way, it counts for more. It's easy just to take, take, take. Different story when you have to pursue. Different story uh, when you say, God's way is best. Different story uh, when it's not about self-interest. It's about God's kingdom and what he will do with that. See, these people were supposed to be a model of the theocracy, God ruling amongst the people to the whole world. Didn't happen. We as part of the church of Jesus Christ. We, we should be showing to the world what it's really like when God rules in and through a people. That's the only hope that this world has got. Look at the way things have gone. It's unbelievable. Things that are happening today, especially in the Western world, that you could not have imagined 10, 15 years ago. No, no, no. That can't happen. That's, that'll never happen. It's happening. It is our responsibility as God's people to live the kingdom lifestyle that Christ might be seen and that the darkness of this world that is pressing in would be pushed back. Because that that's what Canaan was about. Get rid of the darkness. There is no room here for ungodliness. 
That's what it was all about. And here we are with God's people. Will we fight for him? Will we stand for him? Will we somehow live as those who know what it is for Christ to absolutely change who we are, our identity, so that the world can see and know the difference and actually see that it's a lot better than what they've got? Because that's what it would have been like if these people had gone in the way that God had told them the bounties of the land. And we shall be people who are recipients of the grace of God uh, without limitation that the world might see there is a different Joshua. Joshua's a good man, but he couldn't save them. He could only lead them and guide them. He could be a model to them, but he couldn't really save them in the end. But Jesus can. And we, if we will do what God has called us to do, if we will be whom God has called us to be, then, and only then, can his goodness be seen. It's desirable. It's lovely. It's beautiful. That is what God wants us to be like in this fallen world. This is a good couple of verses for us to think about, to meditate upon. One day the man has ceased. What's the next day all about? Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.